Hi, I'm Luke Chow. And I'm Nicole Drugan. This is the Hypnosis Nerd. We're filming in Toronto, Canada, here at the Morpheus Clinic for Hypnosis, where we make hypnosis make sense. Today's episode is going to be about meditation and how it relates to hypnosis. But before we get into our topic, I want to introduce Nicole. She started with us just this summer, and she's made a very interesting career move from the corporate world, from advertising, into wellness. And um, here she is. Hi. Um, yeah, so I spent 15 years in advertising, which I really did love, but I found I was getting really stressed and I wasn't sure why. And when I did some digging, I found out or I realized that I wasn't actually following my true passion, which is wellness and helping people become the best versions of themselves. Awesome. Thank you. If you're watching us on YouTube, you should know that you can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts if you prefer to follow us on any of those platforms. Now let's get into today's topic, which is hypnosis versus meditation. Luke, can you define hypnosis and meditation? Sure. So I'm much more of an expert on hypnosis than I am on meditation. So I'll start with hypnosis. And um, there are as many definitions of hypnosis as there are authors and theorists and researchers. And the one that I'm going to present is based on a definition uh, first articulated by a man named Dave Elman. And I'm going to modernize the, the language a little bit in saying that hypnosis is first the client suspending their sense of disbelief, suspending their analysis, suspending their usual critical thinking, and also is the client wholeheartedly accepting uh, the hypnotist's verbal suggestions. So it comes in those two parts. First, it's a suspension of disbelief and analysis. Second, once that's been once that's been suspended, it's a wholehearted acceptance of the hypnotist's verbal suggestions. And as for meditation, there are also quite a number of different practices where Vipassana meditation and transcendental meditation are going to be different from Zen meditation or walking meditation, and they're different traditions all around the world. But I'm, I'm going to try to um, condense uh, um, the definition into um, what these practices seem to mostly have in common, and that's um, a practice where one is observing one's own thought processes, mm -hmm. sensations, feelings, and inner experience without necessarily having to act upon their thoughts, without necessarily reacting to perceptions mm -hmm. so that there is a feeling of um, a distance from their own internal mental processes. And that practice tends to allow people to de-stress and also to live in a world that's often unpredictable and chaotic, but still maintain their peace of mind as they live in this world. So if our viewers have a meditation practice that um, contradicts that, feel free to leave a comment if, this is on, if you're watching on YouTube. Um, but my understanding, and you can agree or disagree, but my understanding is what I've just described, that observational um, quality is what defines most meditative practices. I would agree with you. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Mm -hmm. What are the differences between hypnosis or self-hypnosis and meditation or guided meditation? Good question. So I guess we'll start with the differences. Um, now, often clients coming in for hypnosis are already experienced meditators. 
and they kind of want to know what they'll get in addition to their own meditation practice or what they'll get that's different from their own meditation practice. And in, in my opinion, if a hypnosis session is just like a guided meditation, then the client really isn't getting the full experience of being hypnotized. Right. The, the main difference I would say is that in hypnosis, the client is having their thinking directed. So in meditation, as I just defined and described it, um, the client or the meditator is going to be observing their thoughts. They're going to be observing their experience and their perceptions and their feelings and the memories and everything else that arises without necessarily acting upon them or reacting to them. Whereas with hypnosis, the point of doing hypnosis is to actually change your thinking, to change your perspectives, to change your points of view. Um, and to create that change, the outside influence, the hypnotist, will be very directive in their language. Um, so usually hypnosis is done in the context of a hypnosis session that the client has not only consented to, but is paying for. Um, and that's kind of what earns the hypnotist the right to just straight up be telling the client what to be thinking. So um, that dynamic between the hypnotist and the client is also characteristic of hypnosis and you don't see that so much in meditation mm -hmm. which usually more times than not is a solitary activity right what do a hypnosis or self-hypnosis or meditation and guided meditation have in common hmm. well if you ask me um, all of these practices involve a inward focus. Yep. So typically people are hypnotized with their eyes closed. Typically people who are meditating also have their eyes closed. Mm -hmm. And that allows people to tune out the outside world with all its sights and sounds and distractions. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they tune into their inner world and the world of their feelings and their thoughts and their imagination. And just as I described earlier, when people tune into their inner world through hypnosis, the intent is to change their inner perceptions, to change their beliefs, to change their thinking, as opposed to meditation, mm -hmm. where the point of it usually is to observe their thoughts and their reactions or their sensations and feelings from more of a distance. Um, and because you use the terms uh, self-hypnosis and guided meditation, I just kind of want to address that fairly briefly mm -hmm. in that, um, in my opinion, and I, I might be oversimplifying, I'm definitely not an expert in meditation, but in my opinion, from what I've seen of meditation, meditation usually, again, is a solitary activity. And um, hypnosis does have that dynamic between the hypnotist and the client. So in my opinion, once you add guidance to meditation, once you add the third party or the, the outside person influencing the meditator's thoughts, it becomes hypnosis. It's okay. essentially a light form of hypnosis once it, it, it's guided meditation. And at the same time, if you have hypnosis, but without the outside influence, then it is essentially a form of meditation. And right. people who... Um, do self-hypnosis have to both be a guide and a follower at the same time if they are to replicate the experience of being hypnotized by someone else? And it is not easy to 
be the guide and to be thinking and looking ahead and figuring things out at the same time that one is a follower where they are going with the flow and just letting um, letting their inner guide guide. It's very hard to be the guide and the follower at the same time. Right, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of self-hypnosis practice essentially is more like meditation. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, that's the those are the biggest differences and similarities. Why would someone choose hypnosis over meditation? In my opinion, meditation is great for self-discovery. It's great for gaining insights about one's self. It's great for figuring out, for example, what you want to do with your life. Mm-hmm. It's great for figuring out how you want to make major life decisions. Mm-hmm. It's great for figuring yourself out, essentially because of the observational aspect. Um, on the other hand, hypnosis is not as observational. Hypnosis is much more directive. So hypnosis, in my opinion, is better for actually changing your thoughts. It's better for um, taking on new perspectives. It's better for uh, shifting your attitude toward something or towards some change that you want to make. So I would say that hypnosis is better for change work, especially for relatively rapid change work, whereas meditation is better for self-understanding um, and not necessarily to change oneself. And interestingly enough, um, both practices, hypnosis and meditation, are often associated with relaxation, right? Right. But yeah. um, I'm not really talking about either practice just for the relaxation. Mm-hmm. People relax very well taking a hot bath. People relax very well taking a nap with their cat or their dog. And th- th- there are many, many ways to relax. Yeah. Um, so f- for, for me, the relaxation that people experience during hypnosis or meditation is more a side effect of the main point. And the main point is something other than relaxation. It's for self-understanding or, or self-change. Um, but relaxation does end up being something in common between both practices. Luke, I read in your book, The Skeptic's Guide to Hypnosis, that the practice started after 10 days of meditating. Can mm-hmm. you tell us the story about that? Uh, sure. I, I'd be glad to. Um, so I, I don't know whether I'm going to be mangle, mangling or overly anglicizing this word, but there is um, a practice called Vipassana meditation. It's said to be the same type of meditation used by um, uh, Buddha when he was enlightened. And it's um, a term that means insight meditation. Um, there was, uh, I think, a Burmese industrialist from the last century who made like billions of dollars and decided that his way to give back to the world would be to start meditation retreats around the world teaching Vipassana meditation. And I sort of heard through the grapevine that there was one close to Toronto. So um, back when I was 23 years old, I was a couple years out of university, didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. Mm-hmm. I really did very much have to figure myself out. Right. So because I had the time to go off the grid for 10 days, and this is off the grid, no cell phone, no reading, you can't look people in the eye, vegetarian food, meditation some 16 hours a day. Wow. It's a lot of meditation. It's basically living like a monk for 10 days in a row. And um, I, I, I did this in August 2006. 
So for 10 days, um, I cleared my head, came to understand myself better. Um, I um, left that meditation retreat, not entirely fearless, but with much, much less fear than I normally would have had. And two weeks later, I signed the rental agreement on this office right here. So now it's 2020, 14 years later, wow. over 14 years later. Um, I'm working out of the same space, and it's no longer just me. Um, so I, I can credit meditation for this practice existing, because unless I went to that retreat and cleared my head of all my fears and doubts and worries, mm -hmm. so I could act without fear, um, I probably never would have signed that rental agreement. I probably never would have um, uh, started this practice so that I'm able to um, uh, hypnotize my clients. So that's how the Morpheus Clinic for Hypnosis originally started. And I understand that you also have some experience with meditation. I um, don't know if it's the same kind of meditation or a different kind of practice, but why don't you share a bit about your personal experience? Sure. I've actually always been interested in that type. I've heard about these retreats and yep. whatnot. So I um, thank you for sharing that story. It's very interesting. Um, my own personal experience, as I mentioned, um, working in advertising, I was trying to find ways to relieve the stress that I was under. Um, so I had heard, I'd always heard about friends talking about meditation. I never understood it, never tried it. And then somebody had brought a guided meditation, um, up to me because they said that might be the best place to start since mm -hmm. it's, it's a little tricky to get into, you know, you got to get the mm -hmm. hang of it. And I was just struggling. So they suggested the Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra. Hmm. Uh, so it's a 21 day guided meditation and there's a bunch of different topics they go through. So there's one for abundance, there's one um, living healthy. I actually forget what I had chosen for the 21 days, but I did it, I stuck to it for the 21 days mm -hmm. and I noticed probably after day two or three, I was already, I felt the change in myself. And it actually was at the, that point after the 21 days was when I realized I needed to get out of advertising and follow my passion. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Meditation has very uh, interesting um, career boosting effects that I think they need to study more. Absolutely. But, but yes, I, I mean, one, one message I've been giving to my clients, um, well, at least for the past few years, is that... There are certain things that you'll never hear from advertising or from the HR department of your corporate employer. Yeah. And these are things to the effect of you aren't just a productivity machine. You aren't like a factory robot. You are a human being, and it means you have a heart with needs and feelings and values. You also have a physical body with different needs and feelings and health that matters. And very often, you know, through uh, advertising and consumerism and uh, corporate control of so many people's lives, people are treated as productivity machines or mm -hmm. people's minds are valued, while the rest of them is, is not valued as highly. So um, the, the messaging I often feel like I have to be giving to my clients is to counteract this overvaluation of the mind and this undervaluation of the physical body and emotions and feelings. Yeah. 
such that um, you know, even if a person is treated by their employer as just a mind or just a productivity machine, they themselves never buy into that idea completely, and they themselves take care of all their other needs. They take care of themselves and their emotions and spirituality um, during all the many hours of the week that their employer isn't paying for. So it's a message that I think is understated, but someone has to say it, and I'm going to be one of those people to say it. Do experienced meditators have an easier time with hypnosis? Well, it could be a double-edged sword. So in some cases, once I tell a client, close your eyes, take a deep breath, they start going into their own meditation practice. They think they know what to do, but because meditation is usually solitary, it doesn't necessarily map onto hypnosis where my voice is guiding their thoughts and their imagination and their attention moment after moment. So if the client um, thinks that hypnosis is just like meditation, they're going to miss the differences. So in that case, someone who's more experienced at meditating could have a harder time going into hypnosis, or in other words, listening to someone else direct their thoughts and their imagination and their feelings. Where meditation can help someone who's undergoing hypnosis is that they will already have been well-practiced at relaxing on demand, turning their attention inward Mm -hmm. on demand, and they're sort of unafraid of their own inner worlds. So sometimes people who are experienced at meditation have an easier time going into hypnosis because of those overlaps between meditation and hypnosis. Do meditative states achieved through yoga resemble hypnosis? I believe so. Um, Right now I'm teaching a hypnosis certification workshop and this topic kind of came up during one of our earlier classes. And in the class are a couple of people who do yoga. And um, one of them is actually a yoga instructor. And what she said was that um, during the the final resting pose, the corpse pose, my favorite, by the way, it's so easy to do. (laughs) Usually people go into a very meditative state that Mm -hmm. is pretty much the same as meditation done sitting. Um, in terms of the mental state, and also, therefore, similar to the state of mind someone is in during hypnosis. What can a hypnotist teach a meditator? Good question. So we talked about how meditation can benefit someone going into hypnosis. So how does the practice of hypnosis um, benefit someone who wants to expand or improve their practice of meditation? And um, at this point, I'll sort of refer back to some of the earlier things I said about self-hypnosis being essentially like meditation. Now, if someone is doing meditation simply and purely to observe their own thoughts and feelings and reactions, then I'm not sure hypnosis has as much to offer. If someone's meditating in order to contemplate an idea that they want to accept, I think that some of the ways that hypnotists reframe situations or the ways that hypnotists will phrase their suggestions can benefit a meditator because um, we are more practiced in the skill of communicating ideas 
such that they stick with people, such that they resonate with people. So um, that's a little bit more like self-hypnosis than insight meditation. But um, that's how I would say hypnosis can help. Can anybody be hypnotized the way anybody can meditate or observe their own thoughts? Um, It's an interesting question because there's the theoretical answer and there's also the practical answer. Mm -hmm. So um, theoretically, most people, almost everyone, can be hypnotized um, under the right conditions with the right guide once they're in an open enough state of mind theoretically everyone can be hypnotized but in the practical world the question is more can um, everyone walking in through our door in the state of mind they're in when they walk through our door with all the baggage they carry when they walk in the door can everyone be hypnotized then and the answer is no because um, if the client doesn't really trust others easily, they're going to have a harder time suspending disbelief if yeah. they have a very strong critical mind that they can't let go of. They're also going to have a hard time being hypnotized if they don't have much of an imagination, um, if they also can't wholeheartedly accept um, the new idea or set of ideas that I want them to accept. They're also going to have a hard time benefiting from hypnosis. Now. Those are some just rough ways to pick out the more suggestible clients. We do have to kind of sort people who are um, highly suggestible, where we'll make a strong recommendation to proceed, from people who are average in suggestibility, in which case there's a reasonable chance we can help them, but it's going to take longer sessions than, or it's going to take more sessions than for someone who's highly suggestible. And we also have to pick out the small percentage of people who are not suggestible enough that they can expect change within a small number of sessions. Now, if we could have an infinite number of sessions, then hypothetically, yes, everyone, almost everyone can be hypnotized. But because there is the limitation of this being a paid service and people only being willing to pay for a relatively small number of sessions before they self-assess how they're progressing, um, the practical answer is no, not everyone can be hypnotized effectively under those conditions. I'll contrast this against meditation, which is something people can do on their own, in their own homes, without having to schedule an appointment, without having to take time off work, without having to pay money, without having to travel to a different location, because um, Meditation is more, much more accessible for those reasons, and it means that um, people can take their time developing their meditation skills and developing their own practice of meditation. So for that reason, just for the practical reasons, um, I believe that meditation is suitable for more people than uh, hypnosis. Even if we find that hypnosis is suitable for four out of five or three out of four people who walk in through our doors. Typically, meditation has a more spiritual component, whereas hypnosis has a more commercial component. What are your thoughts on that, and can you elaborate more? So many meditative practices um, go back to spiritual practices like Buddhism and um, even some um, Western uh, religions have meditative practices as well. Mm -hmm. So meditation 
um, has been seen as a way to get closer to God or to um, develop one's own personal spirituality. And that um, association is more historical. Meditation, however, can be done in a very secular way. Just like yoga these days is not a spiritual practice these days, yoga for most Westerners is a secular practice. Meditation is also a secular practice. Um, and hypnosis is um, sometimes, I, I'm, I'm going to use a word because of my personal opinions, tainted with spiritual practices. To, to, to me, anything that is done in a professional office should not have something as personal as spirituality mixed in. Because if I am working with a professional, it doesn't matter to me what their religion is. It doesn't matter what their personal spiritual beliefs are. I want to know that they're capable of doing the job. Mm-hmm. Um, but often hypnotists kind of bring in personal spirituality when it comes to things like reincarnation, when it comes to things like life after death. Um, So hypnosis sometimes does have that spiritual component, which I very much disagree with. Um, But uh, one thing hypnosis has that meditation usually doesn't have, but that yoga actually does have, is the commercial aspect. So usually when someone's doing yoga, they're paying for lessons or they're paying for uh, the yoga mat and the videos and they're paying for the space to do it in. So yoga has that commercial aspect the way that hypnosis also has the commercial aspect and that meditation, because it's often a solitary activity, doesn't. Because hypnosis is a practice that can be studied and that can be developed because there are many skills involved. Um, It does support the profession of hypnotism in a way that meditation does not, being a very personal and often solitary activity. So um, here, for example, we have a physical office that is quite private. Um, It is set up so that the client has uh, a very comfortable seat to sit in. Um, It's set up so that uh, there's soundproofing around the windows and the doors so that it's a quiet space as well. And during noisier days with this construction, we also have a setup where microphones will pick up the voice of the hypnotist and mix it in with music to go into the client's ears through headphones. So we've thought of multiple redundant ways to ensure the best possible experience for for the client. So all of this costs money. And the hypnotist dedicating their career um, to being the best that they can be will also cost money and it also costs time. So mm-hmm. when it comes to finding a very capable hypnotist, usually there is money being transacted, unlike with meditation where because it is often a more spiritual practice, you can sometimes find a teacher to teach you meditation. I mentioned the, uh, uh, the Vipassana retreats uh, that were set up by Goenka. So they had a lot of funding from the start, but um, at least when I took the meditation retreat, it was pay what you can. So, um, you know, you are not obligated to pay like $5,000 to attend this meditation retreat. If you wanted to pay 5000 you could donate 5000 If you could only pay $100, then you would donate $100. And there is sort of that tradition in meditation, um, unlike hypnosis, where it is more clearly a professional service rather than a more spiritual service. How long does it take meditation to change the brain versus hypnosis? You know, I I actually don't know. So um, on on either side, I don't know, mainly because I don't have any kind of brain imaging 
uh, hardware here, and my field is not really neuroscience. It's more um, in the realm of subjective experience rather than observing objective phenomena like brainwaves and, and so on, which is more a different field. Um, but, uh, you know, meditation doesn't necessarily have as a goal to change anything. It, it is more about self-awareness. So it's more about observing oneself and one's thoughts, whereas hypnosis is much more a practice intended to cause change. And with hypnosis, um, I see it as like an educational process. It's much more suitable, I think, to see it as an educational process than to see it as a kind of like a medical procedure because of the interaction between the hypnotist and the client, because the hypnotist is in a way teaching the client new attitudes after the client has entered a state more conducive to learning. Um, people can change even after the first session. In fact, I have it as an objective for the client themselves to notice a significant change after the first session. Um, usually with meditation, even if someone's doing meditation for the first time, they will feel at least a little bit more relaxed afterward. Um, meditation, I, I think, is a practice that has to be an ongoing practice. Yeah. It's not something that can be done a few times and then you're good for life. Um, whereas with hypnosis, because the goal is to change the client's thinking or to teach them better ways of thinking for them to adopt for life, it is something where they can do a few sessions and then expect that after they've learned the new attitudes, um, that they'll keep those attitudes for the rest of their life. For many issues, it's more normal than not, mm -hmm. more expected than not, to be adopting attitudes for life rather than just temporarily. Thank you for joining us again for this episode of the Hypnosis Nerd Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe on the platform that you're listening on. And you can also go to our YouTube channel, Morpheus Hypnosis, for similar videos. If you are watching on YouTube, please click like below, uh, subscribe for more content, and leave a comment if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you agree or disagree. Again, it's Luke Chow and Nicole Drukin at the Morpheus Clinic for Hypnosis, where we make hypnosis make sense.